When we return to Matthew's gospel, we were out of Matthew's gospel for a while in November, and then we got back in for a bit in December, and we had some Christmas message, and, and then we um, heard from Brother Anthony last week, and so we're, we're back in Matthew. We, we go through books of the Bible at this church, the main diet of of, of our lives as a church is going through books of the Bible verse by verse, and we're in Matthew's gospel, and we've, we've come to uh, Matthew 15, verses 21 through 28. Matthew chapter 15, verses 21 through 28. And Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon, And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. But he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and begged him, saying, Send her away, for she is crying out after us. He answered, I was not He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. She said, yes, Lord. Yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. Father, thank You for Your Word. We would never write anything like this. Some of us may be even here thinking if we wrote down what we thought about Jesus, we would never write this. Lord, we thank You that Jesus challenges us. Lord Jesus, we thank You that there's nobody like You. That no man ever spoke like this man. Lord, we pray that we would hear from You this morning all that we need to hear. We ask, O God, that we would be changed in all the ways we need to be changed, that we would be humbled in all the ways we need to be humbled, that we would taste of mercy this morning. And that we would be like this woman, that we would follow her as she follows Christ. And we pray, Lord Jesus, that You would be exalted in our midst, that we would delight in You, that we would trust in You, that we would worship You this morning, that we would call You Lord, Lord, that we would be moved to cry out, help me, Lord, even like this woman. And so help us, God, and have Your way with us by Your Spirit, we pray. Make us what You want us to be. Move us to do what You want us to do. God, change us. Make us more like Christ. For Jesus' sake, amen. Amen. I love this woman. This is probably 
except for Jesus, my favorite person in the whole Bible. I love this woman. I want to name one of my daughters after this woman. And another daughter after what she cries for, Mercy. I want to name one daughter Mercy and one daughter Phoenicia. Mark's Gospel calls this woman a Syrophoenician woman because she comes from the area of Syria and Phoenicia, which is the area of Tyre and Sidon. But I love this woman. But we love her, Jesus, even more. Last Sunday we studied, or, or the last Sunday we studied Matthew 15, Jesus instructed us about how the heart matters to God and, and not outward appearance and washed hands. And Jesus warned us about heartless worship, about worshiping God with our lips when our hearts are far from Him. And we, we saw that God cares about the heart. 1 Samuel 13, 14, the Lord has sought out a man after His own heart. But friend, the heart always shows itself in actions. <laughs> Sometimes people do whatever they want and then say, well, God knows my heart. No, no, what you did and what you said showed your heart. <laughs> God cares about the heart. Not merely about outward appearance. And, and we thought about the last time we were in Matthew 15, how Jesus declared all foods clean. And so in the same section in Mark's Gospel where this incident happens, Jesus said, or Mark wrote in, in, in Mark 7.19 that when Jesus was talking about foods going in not defiling, but what comes out of the heart defiles, He said, thus He, Jesus, declared all foods clean. And we thought about these Old Testament food laws, about the pig with its parts, the hoof, its cloven footed, but does not chew the cud, is unclean to you. Leviticus 11, 7. And, and these food laws taught God's people about His holiness and their sinfulness, and they separated God's people from the surrounding nations, from the Canaanites and the Phoenicians. The Jews were to be a holy nation set apart for God. For the Jews in the Old Testament, these food laws were both ceremonial and moral. They were not just, they were not just, they were, they were not to eat unclean animals because God told them not to, and that's a moral issue when God tells you to do something, you don't do it or it's sin. But in our passage, we see God Himself, Jesus Christ, the God-man, changing these food laws because He Himself is the fulfillment of these food laws. He would truly make His people clean by His blood and righteousness. These laws were given at a specific time to a specific people for a specific purpose. They were given to the Old Testament Israel to prepare a people, a culture and language to receive the Messiah of God, God in the flesh, Jesus Christ. Everything points to Christ and He fulfills all the laws and the prophets and He's the only one who can make us clean and undefiled from the inside out. He alone can cleanse our hearts and change our hearts. That was the last sermon in Matthew 15. Today, we see a Canaanite woman, a Gentile woman, come to Jesus, a woman who is considered unclean according to these food laws. Considered unclean because of her ethnicity and, and her culture and her background. 
And yet, in our passage, we see Jesus uses her to illustrate what He's been teaching. It's the heart that matters. And Jesus came for all nations. We see this often in the book of Matthew. The book of Matthew starts with, with the nations, the, 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 the wise men coming to worship King Jesus. And we see it at the end of, of Matthew's book when, when we're given the Great Commission, which is our church's statement of, uh, of, of mission, our mission statement, where Jesus said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Matthew begins with the nations coming to Christ and ends with him commanding, now in light of what I've done, go to the nations. And all peppered in between, we have stories like this of, of the nations coming to Jesus. How appropriate that we come to this passage on January 8th, the day when, when we remember that Jim Elliott and these other missionaries went to the nations and gave their lives that sinners might be saved. But we also see this woman's heart today. And her heart is in such contrast to these people that Jesus is rebuking, these Pharisees and scribes and self-righteous Jews. They don't have a heart for God. This woman has a heart for God. And so let's look at her together. Point number one, Jesus goes to a rejected place. Look at verse 21. And Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And so here we see Jesus leaves a primary Jewish area and goes to the district of Tyre and Sidon, a primarily Gentile area. The word Gentile is just anybody who's not a Jew. Unless you're a Jew here today, you're a Gentile. So we're Gentiles, most of us here today. All of us that I know of. And so Jesus leaves this Jewish area and goes to this Gentile area. And this is the only time in Matthew's gospel when Jesus goes to Gentile territory. And the fact that Jesus does this, and this whole story points us back to what Elijah did in 1 Kings 17, when he also went to a Gentile woman. Listen to what Ligon Duncan says about this. The healing of the Syrophoenician woman's daughter reminds us that Elijah, the prophet, had gone to roughly the same territory and worked a miracle for another heathen woman in 1 Kings 17. Zarephath is 8.5 miles south of Sidon and 14 miles north of Tyre. Jesus didn't go to Tyre or Sidon, but to the region of Tyre and Sidon. Jesus has gone to the same territory where Elijah went. Why did Elijah go to this territory? Because there was a famine in Israel. In order to provide for him, God sends him to this widow in Zarephath for bread. For bread. Jesus talks about bread in this passage, right? It's not right for me to give the bread, to take the bread of the children and give it to the dogs. Elijah Ask this Gentile woman for bread. 
Elijah provides her bread to continue during the time of the famine and resurrects the widow's son. Jesus goes to the area of Tyre and Sidon and a woman asks him for bread and he saves her daughter from demon possession. Now Jesus himself has already mentioned that story in Luke 4, 24-26. Do you remember when the people in his own synagogue were skeptical of him? He uses the story of Elijah going to Zarephath and he says, Look, there were a lot of widows in Israel that were hungry during the famine. But God sent Elijah only to the widow of Zarephath. There are a lot of lepers in Israel, but only Naaman the Syrian was cured. Jesus is clearly talking about the children rejecting the promises of God and these promises being given to those who are not children. He's already got that in mind as He goes to Zarephath. These two towns of Tyre and Sidon are closely linked together in the New Testament. This miracle, Elijah, this miracle of Elijah is clearly already in Jesus' mind because of Luke's account of his rejection at Nazareth. And Jesus is there giving clear warning of his coming mission to the Gentiles using the widow of Zarephath as his illustration. In fact, if you turn to Luke 10, 13 through 14, he will say, You know what? If the miracles that I had done in your presence had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented. And in fact, the judgment day will be better for them than for you. Tyre is the place from which Jezebel would introduce Baal worship into the northern kingdom. Josephus says Tyre was notoriously our bitterest enemy. And yet Jesus is deliberately going to this Gentile region and this Gentile woman in order to teach His disciples and you and me about His mission. This is the place Jesus goes. This region of Tyre and Sidon. This place of the enemies of God. This place that's known for idol worship and evil and sin. And secondly, Jesus meets a desperate Canaanite woman. Look at verse 22. And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. Mothers, you maybe can relate to this better than all of us if you think about your child, your, your, your loving child, your loving son, your loving daughter having some kind of, of sickness or disease or in this case being oppressed by a demon and, and you would give anything to have your little baby delivered. This is a desperate mama and she wants her baby healed. She has a little girl. A little daughter who's severely oppressed by a demon. We, we don't know what that looks like. We've seen demons oppress, oppress others in the New Testament and cause them to cut themselves and do all kinds of crazy things and throw themselves into a fire. We don't know exactly what's happening with this little daughter, but, but she is oppressed by a demon and mama is desperately trying to find a way to get her daughter cured. And we're told she's a Canaanite woman. Canaanites were the great enemies of God's people. I mean, she's in a bad place and she comes from a bad heritage. She's a Canaanite. These were the people that God called His people to go and totally exterminate man, woman, children, and baby. No mercy. I read a couple articles on the Canaanites. 
They comment they were a wicked, idolatrous people descended from Noah's grandson Canaan, who was a son of Ham. Canaan was cursed because of his and his father's sin against Noah. The Bible paints a pretty grim picture of Canaanite practices. Leviticus and Deuteronomy contain detailed and lurid lists of sins, including the worship of demonic idols, taboo sexual acts, and even the sacrifice of children to the Canaanite gods. This is this woman's background and heritage. She's a Canaanite. Legan Duncan again comments, Jesus talks with the Greek-speaking Gentile Syrian, Phoenician, Canaanite woman. How's that for intersectionality? If Paul was a Hebrew of Hebrews, she was a Gentile of Gentiles. If ever someone was a Gentile in the flesh, the uncircumcision, separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, a stranger to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world, it is this woman. And yet, Jesus is standing in front of her. The Messiah has come to her. Friend, think of yourself this morning. Do you you think that Jesus is out of reach for you? (laughs) I mean, if anybody is out of reach of Jesus, it would appear to be this woman. This Canaanite woman. This Gentile woman. One of the enemies of God's people. Unclean, sinner, Gentile But she's not. You're not. No matter who you are this morning, no matter what your background is, no matter where you're from, no matter your heritage, you're not out of reach of Jesus Christ. Never. Never. If you're breathing, there's hope. If you're breathing, there's hope. And this woman, she knows where to go for help. You, you do have to know where to go for help. Yes. She, she knows to go to Jesus. She knows that He can help her. She cries to Jesus for mercy. Yes. Mercy. That's a great name. If you're looking to name your next daughter, Mercy. I don't know there's any better name than that. Mercy. Mercy. She cries for mercy. What, what, what is mercy? Mercy is not getting what we deserve. Mercy is not getting what we deserve. We, we deserve hell. We deserve pain. We deserve our daughters to be demon-possessed. We deserve everything bad that happens in our lives. And yet, we're here today. Our house didn't fall down on us last night. That's mercy. Our car didn't break down on the way here. That's mercy. We have clothes to wear. That's mercy. This church building didn't burn down because of a gas leak last night. That's mercy. We're not in hell right now where we deserve to be. That's mercy. Mercy is not getting what we deserve. Mercy is also getting what we don't deserve. And she wants mercy. She wants her daughter delivered. She knows she doesn't deserve this. As we'll see, she knows she's a dog. Oh, I love this woman. How many Americans would just cancel Jesus? You call me a dog? 
Some people look at that and don't even believe Jesus was sinless because He said that. They don't know Him. Oh, I love this woman. I want to be humble like her. She knows who to go for, for to for help. J.C. Ryle, speaking of the little demon-oppressed girl, says, hopeless and desperate as her case appeared, she had a praying mother. And where there is a praying mother, there is always hope. Oh, mothers, this is a Mother's Day sermon. <laughs> Be encouraged, mamas. Where there's a praying mother, there is always hope. And we got a praying mama here crying out to Jesus for mercy. It reminded me of St. Augustine's mother. St. Augustine, North African Christian, possibly one of the greatest theologians God has given us in the church. But he was a wicked, vile man before he got saved. Lustful, sexually immoral, lived with a concubine for years but he had a praying mama named Monica. And she prayed and prayed and prayed. And her boy got saved. And he wrote about her in his book. One of his books, he said, Monica, my mom now gone from my sight, who for years had wept over me, that I might live in God's sight. Mothers, pray. <laughs> pray for your babies. You may have... Babies who are grown up and adults and they've gone away from Christ, keep praying for them. Keep begging Jesus. Don't let Him go until He blesses you. Pray and beg Him to save your babies. And don't give up like Monica. She knows where to go for help. She goes to Jesus. And this desperate Canaanite woman comes to the Lord. In each of the three times that she addresses Jesus with her words, she calls Him Lord. And if you read some commentaries, they'll say, oh, this is a word that it means sir. She's just saying sir. Because that's how you address people, sir. <laughs> that's true. People did use that word for sir. I don't think that's what she's saying. I think she knows a little bit more than that he's a sir. Because she knows he's the son of David. She knows that this is one to fall down and, and prostrate yourself before and worship. She knows Jesus is God. <laughs> Jesus is God, beloved. If you ever want to give me a gift that you know I'll wear and wear out and delight in, give me a piece of clothing with Jesus is God on it. I still need a tie that says Jesus is God because I need something I can wear with a suit. <laughs> Tell everybody this. Jesus is God. She knows that. She knows that. When she says Lord three times, Beloved, think of the faith of this woman. She, she's a Canaanite. We're not even told her name. Everything is against her. Yet she comes to Christ. And, and it's going to get worse for her. 
Because Jesus seems to ignore her and tell her He did not come for her, that it's not right for Him to help her, and even calls her a dog. But she still comes. Oh, dear Christian friend, beloved member of Oni Baptist Church, how different it is for you. You have been brought near by the blood of Christ. You are a child of God. You have been given a new name. You will be given a, a new name, Revelation 2 tells us. And all things are working together for your good. God sings over you. And will you not come to Him? Everything was against this woman and she came to Jesus. How much more should we come to Jesus with great expectation that He loves us, that He cares, that He will help and give us exactly what we need? Come to Christ, beloved. And friend, if you're here this morning and you're not a believer, then you need to know you stand in the position of this woman. You are an enemy of God. God's wrath abides upon you. God is at war with you. God hates you. And if you die tonight apart from Him, He will send you to hell. He will be silent to you forever. He will treat you like a dog forever. He will crush you with His wrath forever because of your sin against Him. But the good news of the Gospel is that Jesus, like He's available for this woman, is available to you today. God so loved His enemies. He so loved those He hates. God so loved those He hates that He sent His only begotten Son, Jesus, into the world to live a perfect life, to love people like this, to, to die on a cross and bear God's wrath and curse, to be buried in a tomb and to rise up on the third day so that whosoever believes in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. He died and rose again to save sinners. The vilest of sinners. The Canaanite sinners. The outcast sinners. Jesus came to save. Friend, come to Him. Believe on Him today and be saved. I'll be here afterwards to talk to you. There are other Christians who would love to speak with you. If you've not closed with Christ, if, if you've not come to Him desperately like this woman and trusted Jesus, then please, beloved, do that today. Next, we see this desperate Canaanite woman call Jesus the son of David. Verse 22, she calls him the son of David. <laughs> she, she agrees with the Apostle Paul who wrote in Romans 1, 1-3, Paul, a servant, a slave of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son who was descended from David according to the flesh. She, she somehow knows that Jesus is the Jewish Messiah. That's what Son of David means. She knows He's the anointed one, the anointed prophet, priest, and king. She knows that He is the Savior. And she calls Him, Help me. Have mercy on me, O Lord, Son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. And yet, then, we see that Jesus does not answer her. Jesus, Jesus responds with a deafening silence. Verse 23, but he did not answer her a word. What is going on? 
One reason Jesus may have been silent is to emphasize what she just said. (laughs) Verse 22, have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. Long silences give emphasis to what was just said. And so some think Jesus was, hey, y'all hear that? Did you hear what she said? Did you hear what this Canaanite Gentile called me? She gets it better than y'all. Another reason I believe he was silent, as we'll see throughout this sermon, is to test her and to show her off. To show this woman off for the rest of the ages. Beloved, do you ever feel like God is silent towards you? I mean, the way Spurgeon would preach this text is he would do a whole sermon on the silence of God. Do you ever feel, I mean, Jesus answered, I mean, she, she, this woman's desperate. This is not very pastoral, Jesus. I would get an email about this. <laughs> this woman is desperate and her little daughter, this is a little girl, is demon possessed and Jesus answers her not a word. What's going on? Beloved, do you ever feel like God is silent towards you? You, you want help. You want guidance. You've been praying and praying and praying for years and years and years for something that you are desperately in need of, you think, or that you want. And God seems silent. It seems like heaven is silent. Anyone there today? What is God telling you today? He's telling you, keep praying. He's he's telling you, keep trusting. He's telling you, keep coming to Jesus like this woman, no matter how long it takes. He's he's telling you the, the call to worship that Brother Isaac read when Jacob wrestled with the Lord and said, I will not let you go until you bless me. I mean, Spurgeon got sort of radical. He talked about how this woman's faith overpowered the king of glory. (laughs) I don't know if I'd put it quite like that. But that's sort of what Jacob did, isn't it? Keep coming. Keep praying. Keep trusting. Jesus is silent. You think God's silent. Keep coming. Keep praying. Keep trusting. The disciples even beg Jesus to send her away. Look at verse 23 again. And the disciples came and begged him, saying, Send her away, for she's crying out after us. So it's, it seems not, not only Jesus is being silent, but those who follow him, his ministers, that they, they even worse, get, send her away. Now, I learned something studying this this week. I thought I pretty much knew all the mechanics of this passage, but that's one of the reasons I love being a pastor, is you learn new things every week. Um, some that I really trust, like D.A. Carson, argue that 
that the, the, the disciples, yes, they seemed annoyed by this woman and they want her to go away, but it, it, it seems from verse 24 that they might be saying to Jesus, please heal her so she'll go away. Because Jesus' response in verse 24 is, I was only sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And it makes more sense that Jesus is answering their question when, when they say, send her away. I'm not going to heal her because I wasn't sent to her. I never thought of that. The disciples are even say, they're either saying, send her away or heal her so that she'll leave us alone. They're annoyed with her. Mark Dever made a comment. I wonder if you've ever found yourself valuing your convenience or comfort over people in their needs. The disciples do that sometimes throughout the gospel, right? This is inconvenient. This is against what I want. Just send her away. I wonder if you've ever, you ever find yourself valuing your convenience or comfort over other people in their needs. We don't want to be like that. Well, Jesus answers, it's, get, it's, get, it's getting worse. <laughs> Jesus answers that he didn't come for her, but only for Israel. Look at verse 24. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Jesus says he wasn't sent for her. He says he didn't come for Canaanites. He only came for his people. Any black Hebrew Israelites in the room? They love this part. Jesus didn't come for this man and that man. He came for us Israelites. And of course, all kinds of people want to claim they're the real Israelites, so Jesus only came for them. He, only, he came to save his people from their sin. Are you his people? I mean, Jesus, I didn't come. For, I only came for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Is that you? Well, Jesus is, is simply repeating what the same instructions he gave his own disciples in Matthew 10, 5, and 6. These 12 Jesus sent out instructing them, go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. The gospel was to go to the Jew first and then to the Greek. That's what Paul wrote in Romans 1.16. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. Black Hebrew Israelite, it's also for me. Amen. They call me a, an Edomite. So I go to that passage in Deuteronomy that says, love the Edomite, because he's your brother. <laughs> they don't like that. <laughs> Jesus is showing us in this passage that, that yes, there's a priority. Uh, first to the lost sheep, but we, as we'll see, also for the Greek. But put yourself in this woman's shoes, though. I don't know if she knew all that. And she hears Jesus say, I didn't come for you. And I wonder if you've ever felt that. Jesus is not for me. He's rejected me. He didn't come to save me. There's hope for me. You ever felt that way? You ever felt in despair and utter loneliness that even God is against you? What, what does this passage teach us? Keep coming to Jesus. 
Keep praying to Jesus. Keep trusting Jesus. Keep crying out to Jesus. Lord, have mercy on me. And that's what this woman does. This desperate Canaanite woman keeps begging Jesus relentlessly. Verse 25. But she came and knelt before him saying, Lord, help me. <laughs> Lord, help me. Spurgeon preached 10 sermons on this text and he had one whole sermon on just this prayer. Lord, help me. That's a great prayer. Prayers don't have to be long. We don't have to try to impress God with our, our, our whatever. Lord, help me. Lord, help me with snot and tears running all over your face. Lord, help me. Lord, help me. That's what she cries. Lord, help me. Please, I know, I know you, you ignored me. I know you said you aren't for me, that you didn't come for me. Lord, help me. I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. I don't care what you say, what you call me. I'm coming to you, Jesus. Help me. But it gets even worse. And before we get there, just notice this. Jesus says He's being asked for bread. Remember what Elijah did? For that widow? Verse 26, And he answered, It is not right to take the children's bread. What is the bread? Just very briefly, the bread here is all the help that Jesus the Messiah brings to His people, including physical and spiritual healing. That's the bread, just so we're clear. It's all the help that Jesus the Messiah brings to His people, including physical and spiritual healing. And, and, but, but Jesus says here, He says it's not right for Him to help her. <laughs> Did you notice that in verse 26? And He answered, it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. And shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Genesis 18, 28. And Jesus says it's not right. He came for the children of Israel. Exodus 3.10 where, where, where it says, Come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you might bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. They were known as the children of, of Israel. And, and, and Jesus said he, he didn't come to anyone except the children of Israel. And it's not right for Him to do this for her. Again, friend, I'm asking you to think about this woman. I mean, we know the rest of the story, but... What, what, what despair must she be feeling? I mean, this is, this is Jesus in her presence. The physical Jesus telling her, ignoring her, I didn't come for you. It's not right for me to help you. Wouldn't you just walk away then? I mean, how much sooner do we walk away from God? when we don't get what we want. And yet you have the King of Glory in her midst telling her, it's not right for me to help you. She doesn't walk away. <laughs> she doesn't walk away. And, and it gets even worse. Jesus calls her a little dog. Look at verse 26 again. And He answered, it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Jesus calls her the derogatory name that Jews called all Gentiles. 
Dogs are unclean, like this woman. Dogs are unrestrained in their desires and appetites. And that's how the Jews viewed Gentile sinners. Unrestrained in their appetites for sin and unclean. They're like dogs and they called Gentiles dogs. Revelation 22.15, we read, Outside are the dogs, the sorcerers, the sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. That's how they viewed dogs as sinners. And Jesus calls her a dog. Ligon Duncan again comments, and by the way, aren't you glad that Peter was not live tweeting this? Jesus would have gone viral in the worst of ways. Beloved, do you really think they would not kill Jesus today? Do you really think they wouldn't kill Him again? Aren't you glad that Peter was not live tweeting this, Jesus would have gone viral in the worst of ways. There would have been an almost infinite threat, thread of rage tweets about his heartlessness and racism and misogyny. Mm. Nevertheless, she persisted. And, 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 and some falsely accused Jesus of sin for this. I've seen pastors and articles and that, that, that say Jesus sinned and then He repented and gave her what she asked for. <laughs> but people believe that. If Jesus sinned, then we're going to hell. Because He's not the sinless Savior. Beloved, this was not a sin for Jesus. And if you're here this morning and this bothers you, I would just encourage you, there are lots of things in the Bible that are hard to understand. Harder than this. And, 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 and you're either going to be a person like this woman who you may not understand everything and you may not get it all and you may have questions, but you stick with Jesus and go to heaven. Or you're going to be like those who put yourself over the Bible as God and say, the Bible's in error, Jesus is in error, and you're going to walk away from Jesus and be a dog in hell forever. You have a choice. And this woman encourages us to stick with Jesus. Even if you don't understand this, you stick with Jesus. First, we are all dogs. Yeah. I'm a dog. <laughs> because of our sin, we are all unclean. Because of our sin, we give in to our desires and appetites like dogs. Yep. And you need to understand that about yourself. You need to understand that all that the world throws at you, some of you, 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 you young people in schools are getting thrown all this garbage about self-esteem. It's going to destroy your life. So you need a little Jesus in your life. You need to be reminded that you're a sinner. 
that you've offended God, that you're unclean in God's sight, that you've given in to your passions over and over and over again like a dog, and you need a Savior. And that's true of me as well. I'm a dog, and I need a Savior. Secondly, this is God speaking. (laughs) This is God speaking. Jesus is God, and He has the right, the power, the wisdom, and knowledge to call us what we really are. And He does this elsewhere, like Psalm 49.12. Man in his pomp will not remain. He is like the beasts that perish. Jesus is just doing what God does. Uh Read all over the Psalms, God calls us beasts. God uses some pretty ornate language to come up with names for humanity who sinned against Him. Jesus has already done it. Don't cast your pearls before pigs, swine. Oh, Jesus, you're so insensitive. What does He call a political leader? You fox. Tell that fox Herod. No, this is God speaking. And He calls us what we are. Jesus is God and He has the right, the power, the wisdom and knowledge to call us what we really are. Beasts that perish, Psalm 49, 12. In the apparently harsh way that Jesus first spoke with this woman, I believe He was testing her. Like God tested Job. (laughs) I mean, you think being called a dog's bad? What if God killed all your children? Being called a dog ain't nothing when God kills ten of your kids. And He did that to Job. And I believe in this encounter, Jesus, the God-man, is doing exactly what God did with Job. Basically saying to the world, get a load of this girl. Get a load of her faith. Get a load of how she clings to me. Just like God said to the world and Satan You see if he curses me. I'll take away everything. I'll give you reins to take away everything from him. And and you see what he does. Because God knew Job trusted God. God knew Job was his man. And Jesus knows this girl's his. And he wants to put her on display. Get a load of this girl. See her faith. And it would be inscripturated for the rest of eternity. So that we can learn from her today. That's what Jesus is doing. In the apparently harsh way Jesus first spoke with this woman, I believe He was testing her like God tested Job to put Job's relentless faith and patience on display. I think Jesus was putting this woman's faith on display as well. And through this test or trial, He drove her to Himself all the more and blessed her. Beloved, do you see your trials in life this way? As a means by which Jesus loves you by driving you to Him and making Him more like Him. Is that how you see your trials? Your sufferings, your pains, the silence of God, even what you feel as the harshness of God towards you? That He's driving you to Christ and He's driving you and conforming you to the image of Jesus because He loves you that much. Not to just give you an easy life where you get everything you want but where He puts you in trials because He loves you and because He's saying 
to Satan the world. Look at this woman. Look at this man. I've taken everything from them. And they trust me. Because I'm their treasure. I'm their joy. I'm their delight. God gets glory from that. And you become more like Jesus through that. And that's what this woman does. I mean, how does this woman respond when after Jesus, I mean, Jesus says it's not right to take the children's bread and give it to the dogs. I mean, what would you do? You called me what? You, you, what? Bye. Forget you. If that's the kind of God you are, then forget you. I'll find me another God. Oh, how would Americans respond when they're insulted and called a dog? Not this woman. I love this woman. I love her. I want to be like her. Look at her response in verse 27. She said, yes, Lord. Yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. We're going to have a little, some baby Phoenicias now. (laughs) Named after this woman. Phoenicia means purple, by the way. Can mean red, blood of Christ. It's a good name. What a woman. What a response. R.C. Sproul comments, Notice how many times in the Bible when people come before the living God, they identify themselves with the lowest forms of life or of animals. Psalm 73, 22, I was brutish and ignorant. I was like a beast towards you. This woman knows that. This woman's faith is a yes, Lord faith. (laughs) It's a yes, Lord faith. It's a faith that says whatever Jesus says and commands is good and right, and I say yes, Lord. (laughs) I say yes, Lord, to it no matter how hard it sounds. No matter how hard the circumstances no matter how hard it is for me to follow Him in what He's calling me to do, yes, Lord. No matter how impossible what He's calling me to do seems, we must say yes, Lord, if we are His true disciples. And He will grant us the grace to do this. Yes, Lord, I'm your little dog. Yes, Lord, I'm whatever You call me. Just give me the crumbs. Her faith is a yes, Lord faith. This woman's faith is a humble faith. Notice Jesus calls her and her daughter a dog. And she is not offended and doesn't stand up for her supposed rights. She takes the name dog. Yes, Lord, I'm your little dog. This is the heart of humility that Jesus has been teaching about and rebuking the Jewish religious leaders about because they don't have it. Can you imagine if Jesus called the Pharisees a dog? Oh, we are the teachers of Israel. We have the law, the commandments, the covenants. We are righteous. You can't call us this. I mean, He calls them stuff worse. Children of the devil. (laughs) But this woman, I mean, Jesus is contrasting their pride and self-righteousness with this woman's humility. Yes, Lord, I'm a dog. Now, the word for dog in this passage is what's called the the diminutive form. 
diminutive. I'm like, can't y'all think of an easier word for people? I, I had to look that up, right? It just means small. But it's the diminutive. See me how many syllables I can work into that to make it sound theologically, ooh. It means small. It means tiny. The diminutive form, which means it's a small dog or a little dog. And, and some people say, well, Jesus wasn't using the, the word for dog they use in other places, these wild animal scavengers. He was using the word for pet dog, so that makes it okay. I don't know about y'all, but a stray dog on the street and a little chihuahua in my house, it's still pretty bad to be called that. So I really don't think that has anything to do with why it's in the diminutive, the small, tiny form. I don't think this changes the harsh nature of Jesus' use of dog because the diminutive form is used all over this story in Mark's version of this same story. In Mark 7.25, she's called the little daughter. Wonder why they didn't write the diminutive daughter. Sorry, just a beef I have about big words. The little daughter. Verse 27, they're the little dogs. The woman's reply in verse 28, Yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs under the table eat the little children's little crumbs. D.A. Carson comments, there may be no significance to the use of the diminutive dogs because in Hellenistic Greek, the diminutive force is often entirely lacking. But if there is such a force here, it does not make the dogs more acceptable. For example, pet dogs or house dogs as opposed to wild dogs, but more dependent, little helpless dogs. If there is significance to the diminutive, I think it points to humility. I think Dr. Carson's right. It points to the neediness and the humility of this woman. And this, I mean, notice the daughter is little, the dogs are little, the children are little, the crumbs are little, but what's not little? Who can't be hidden at the beginning of this story? Jesus, in Mark's gospel, Jesus was trying to be hidden to get some rest, but he can't be hidden. Jesus is big. Usually things that can't be hidden are big. Jesus can't be hidden. Jesus is big. It's good when we view ourselves as little and Jesus as big. Let's be diminutive people. When we become so little that we forget about us and Jesus becomes so big that He can't be hidden from all of our thoughts, desires, hopes, and dreams and actions, then we are truly humble. So let's all be little dogs for the glory of King Jesus. And this woman knows that because Jesus is so big, one of His little crumbs can satisfy all of her desires. Notice that this woman's faith is not only yes, Lord, faith and humble faith, it's also a relentlessly desperate faith. She was desperate because of her daughter's condition and because of her love for her daughter. And she does. She does exactly what Jacob does in Genesis 32, 26, which Brother Isaac read for us. He says, then the man said, let me go. So the angel of the Lord, who Jacob's wrestling with, let me go for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go until you bless me. This woman does that. Beloved, do you see your desperate condition in life, whatever it may be? If you're an unbeliever in your sin, if, if you're, you're a child of God in whatever situation, hardship, longing, suffering you face, do you, 
do you, do you, 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 you learn from this woman to go to Jesus, your merciful Savior? That's what this woman is, is showing us, a kind of desperation to come to Christ. J.C. Ryle comments, let us mark this well. There is nothing which shows our ignorance so much as our impatience under trouble. We forget that every cross is a message from God and intended to do us good in the end. Trials are a good thing, uh, are intended to make us think. Trials are intended to make us think, to wean us from the world, to send us to the Bible, to drive us to our knees. Health is a good thing, but sickness is far better. (laughs) We don't know that, do we, in our world? Health is a good thing, but sickness is far better (laughs) if it leads us to God. That's an important part to add. (laughs) If it leads us to God. Prosperity is a great mercy, but adversity is a greater one if it brings us to Christ. Anything, anything is better than living in carelessness and dying in sin. Better a thousand times be afflicted like the Canaanite mother and like her flee to Christ than live at ease like the rich fool and die at last without Christ and without hope. And so these trials drive us to Christ with a kind of urgency. Elizabeth Prentice writes, Once earthly joy I craved, sought peace and rest. Now thee alone I seek. Give what is best. This all my prayer shall be. More love, O Christ, to Thee. More love to Thee. More love to Thee. Let sorrow do its work. Come grief or pain. Sweet are Thy messengers. Sweet their refrain. When they can sing with me. More love, O Christ, to Thee. More love to Thee. More love to Thee. And this woman's faith is in the only person who can save. Again, beloved, be reminded that she knew who to come to for help. Jesus is the only one who could help this woman and cast the demon out of her daughter. And He's the only one who can save you from your sins. This is true because a man once cried out to God like this woman over and over again. But God would not listen. Do you remember Gethsemane? When Jesus prayed three times, if it's possible, Lord, take this cup away. Help me. Have mercy on me, God. Oh, my Father, please. If there's any other way. And God answered him not a word. God treated Christ like a dog as the unclean thing and answered him not a word when he cried out my God my God why hast thou forsaken me beloved she can have all this mercy and all these crumbs and we can have all this mercy and all this crumbs because Jesus died to save sinners from every tribe and tongue and people and nation and notice this is one of the main points of this story he did not just come for Jews He did not just come for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He he came for all peoples. He came for Canaanites and Edomites and Hittites and Perizzites. He he came for for Americans and Haitians and Jamaicans and and Trinidadians and, 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 and everybody around the world to save sinners. 
Tim Keller writes, on the cross, the child of God was thrown away, cast away from the table without a crumb, so that those of us who are not children of God could be adopted and brought in. Put another way, the child had to become a dog so that we could become sons and daughters at the table. And because Jesus identified like that with us, now we know why we can approach Him. The Son became a dog so that we dogs could be brought to the table. He became mute so that our tongues can be loosed to call Him King. Don't be too isolated to think that you are beyond healing. Don't be too proud to accept what the Gospel says about your unworthiness. And don't be too despondent to accept what the Gospel says about how loved you are. That's the Gospel. If you need more Gospel in your life, listen to Tim Kelly. He's got lots of free sermons online. And and if you've listened to John Piper too much, listen to some of Keller. They balance each other out well. I love them both. Beloved, are the circumstances in your life overwhelming against you? Do you feel like Jesus is hiding Himself from you? Do you feel like God is telling you that you are not one of His children? Do you sense that Jesus is saying it would not be right for Him to help you? Do you feel like Jesus is even being insensitive and unloving towards you because He won't give you what you so desperately desire? Beloved, look at this woman and imitate her faith. And keep crying out to Jesus, Lord, have mercy. Lord, help me. Lord, I'm everything you say I am. Please, please grant me your crumbs. And, And finally, beloved, we see Jesus passionately praises her faith and answers her prayer. Look at verse 28. Then Jesus answered her. So after she says, yes, Lord, but even the dogs eat the crumbs off the master's table, Jesus says, Oh woman, this is, this is an expression of passion. Oh woman, oh woman, oh wow, wow. It's like this woman wows the King of glory with, with her response and amazes the King of kings. Oh woman, great is your faith. Be it, be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. One of the only, one of the few instances, I think, maybe the centurion where Jesus says, you have great faith. He never said this to his disciples. <laughs> oh, woman, great is your faith. And he gives her what she asked for. Jesus commended no one else for having great faith like this. Spurgeon says, Our Lord had a very quick eye for spying hidden faith. If the jewel was lying in the mire, His eyes caught its glitter. If there was a choice ear of wheat among the thorns, He failed not to perceive it. Faith has a strong attraction to the Lord Jesus. At the sight of it, the King is held in all the galleries and cries, You have ravished my heart with one of your eyes, with one chain of your neck. The Lord Jesus was charmed with the fair jewel of this woman's faith and watching it and delighting in it. He resolved to turn it round and set it in another in all the lights that the various facets of this priceless diamond might each one flash its brilliance and delight his soul. 
Therefore, he tried her faith by his silence and by his discouraging replies that he might see its strength. But he was all the while delighting in it and secretly sustaining it. And when he had sufficiently tried it, he brought it forth as gold and set his own royal mark upon it in these memorable words, O woman, great is your faith, be it unto you, even as you will. You see what Jesus is doing for this woman and through this woman? Beloved, may we have faith like her. Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Because I read about her, and I'm like, Lord, I don't feel like her. I, don't, I so often don't live like her. Lord, please, I believe, help my unbelief. Lord, grant me faith like this woman. Grant me to pursue you like this woman, no matter what I face. Another pastor said that her faith very well describes saving faith and what it looks like. It's humble. It's broken. It's desperate. It's penitent. It's reverent. It's respectful. And it's persistent. It can't be discouraged and it can't be dissuaded. It keeps pursuing Jesus no matter what. No matter what. And that's where we'll end today. Thinking about Jesus. Jesus put this woman to the test. Brought out her best. Healed the possessed. And made the outcast his guest. God's glory to forever express. Jesus entered a house and wanted to stay hidden. Even from all the bedridden and those with devils stricken, the evils in the world because of Adam ate the forbidden, and because of this sin the whole world he'd stricken. But the second Adam came on that cross to be smitten and rise from the dead just as it was written so the vilest of sinners could still be forgiven. To this woman he'd finally listen. Her faith won't let mercy stay hidden, and her humility, his stern reply, has overridden. Like Job, Jesus put this woman warrior to the test. He didn't do this to make her life stressed or depressed, but in love to make her faith shine as he pressed. Jesus brought out her best while on a loving mercy heart quest. And by faith in his righteousness alone, she'd be dressed. He graciously granted her humble request and healed her daughter from all that oppressed. If like this woman, you want to be blessed, humble yourself and don't stick out your chest. Trust Him alone, and with all that He is, be impressed. He'll always grant you what's best and give you everlasting rest. Pleading with Jesus, she wouldn't relent. Her desires persisted for His consent. With His blessing alone, she'd be content. Her faith wouldn't submit, but bowed to the humblest extent. Her place as a dog, she wouldn't resent, but answered, yes, Lord, without dissent. She would trust him no matter what he meant, for she believed his only good loving intent, and her great faith would cause his heart to assent and put an end to her horrific torment. She didn't mind being little. Her ego's not that brittle. Her joy in it didn't whittle. She followed her Savior's transmittal when his face was marred with spittle before he died for her acquittal and showed his life was all committal. Jesus can't be hidden from plain sight. He's not... Little, he's not the little one of whom Matthew would write. He's God come to earth to make all wrongs right. Yet he became little as a man contrite and died on that cross as the sin God would smite. Now risen, he reigns as the master of might. What makes all the difference is the object of your trust. Your faith can be weak, but if on Jesus your hopes are thrust, you'll never walk away in disgust. But Christ will be your holy lust. 
in this short life, He's your only must. Hidden with Him, all your dreams are robust. They'll never turn to dust or be tarnished by rust. So put your faith in Him who's never unjust. He welcomes the outcasts from every nation, all peoples and tribes, both Southern and Haitian. He'll make you His guest without reservation from all tribes and tongues. He grants salvation to join His family. There's one stipulation. Repent and believe, and He'll start reformation. You'll find in Him everlasting liberation, mediation, fascination, and jubilation. Can I get an amen affirmation? One of Christ's crumbs is better than all you could dream. It's better than the whole world and how great that might seem. He's better than her and all her beauty gleam and love steam. You see, Christ Himself is the bread of life supreme. Christ is all, is what you most desperately need and not self-esteem. For we already esteem ourselves to the extreme. Jesus came to save us from our self-centered scheme. He died on that cross, our lives to redeem, and rose from the dead, setting up His regime. Repent and believe to live the dream. You'll forget yourself and have Christ esteem and enjoy Him with satisfaction supreme like you've never seen as God's glory more and more becomes your only theme. Christ has mercy on every nation. A Canaanite who earned damnation, she cried for mercy and salvation from David's greater son relation. At first he tests, silent duration. Disciples beg, away vexation. He's come for only Israel's nation. But she still begs in faith prostration. He calls her a dog, humiliation. It's not right is his quotation. Her cries won't cease. There's no cessation. I am your dog, O master of creation. Please heal my daughter and end her devastation. Because of her faith, he answered her supplication and went on to die and rise for our justification. He is forevermore our mercy, giving emancipation. Father, thank you for this woman. Thank you for confronting her with your son the way you did. Thank you that this has been written down for us to learn from her. God, thank you that this shows us that you have come for all nations, from every tribe, tongue, nation, and language. You shed your blood, Lord Jesus. We praise you for that, God. We praise you that this shows us that Jesus is God and Lord, that he's the son of David. Thank you for showing us that you are our help and refuge and strength. Thank you that you are the object of our faith, Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you that you're the only one who can save us and deliver us from all oppression, depression, and damnation. Lord, thank you for the witness this woman is to us to keep trusting Christ, to keep praying, to keep relentlessly pursuing Christ, even when it's hard. Father, we pray you would help our unbelief. Help us believe, Lord. We believe, help our unbelief. We pray that you would strengthen our faith today. We pray that we would imitate this woman as she imitates Christ. We pray that you would strengthen us, Lord, to do your will and whatever you call us to do. Father, we pray for those today who may have never come to faith in Christ for the first time, that today they would be saved. And we ask it all for Jesus' sake. Amen.